Okay, that's uh, just a little bit of humour to get us on our on our journey today with Community Connect here with Edwina and Greg McHenry on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast where we're also streaming live at all the W's ocrfm.org.au and that uh, Baba Black Sheep is off a radio program from many years ago that we picked up as a little bit of a laugh somewhere else where I worked. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, a bit of frivolity. Look, I'd like to pay my respect to and acknowledge the Gulijan people who are the custodians of the land we're on today, as well as the Gadabanud who are along the coast. I'd also like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Good morning, Eddie. <laughs> You've heard that before. But I we're, have. We're Good morning, get, everyone. We've got a bit of laughter out of our guests here. I think it might have relaxed them a little as well. <laughs> but that, Yeah, a little bit of fun. That's off a community radio station. I think it was in Gippsland, but I'm not sure where. It was picked up by a mate of ours, Bob Appleton, who uh, is about 99 years still. I hope he's getting along well. But anyway, look, today we're going to be chatting about NEMI. I hope that's the way I'm pronouncing it correctly, which is all about a community mental health service supporting people living with mental illness to improve their health and live independently. And obviously, it's straight off their website, which is the thing that I'm inclined to do. And we've got Mick Jones in here, who is a clinical leader, and he's also a mental health nurse, and he also met me years ago in another existence. Where uh, we broadcasted in Geelong, Mick. How are you? Welcome. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Um, thanks for having us here, Greg. Yeah. Um, I looked up. Yeah. Well, you said you'd seen us a couple of years ago, and I looked that up, and a couple turns out to be four. You're right. It was with a Mental Health Week That's back right. in October 2015. Yeah, with Craig Harvey. Craig um, Harvey and someone about, else. I think it was just us two talking about mm. addiction. I think it was um, about addiction, mental yeah. health, and related. We might yeah. even touch on a little bit yeah, of that today, sure. because it all it all you know, hops in. Same as homelessness. Homelessness. If you're not got a problem before you start homelessness you've got it after anyway Definitely. so there are lots of different and you've got another bloke you brought with you yeah, and he's a newbie he's not a fellow <laughs> I'd met before and no, look, he's, he's, he's barely back from holidays and he's thrown in <laughs> and he's Phone's still so, yeah, he's just jet lagged still are you Aiden? my <laughs> wish <laughs> yeah, it's Aiden Hemmeling who's here he's a peer support worker and he's going to be talking much to his delight uh, about your Step Me program That's and you, you guys yeah Nimoy yeah. Barwon so, Health, Nemi Barwon Health. Who wants to take the thing? Because I want to know what it's all about and a little bit of history on it, if you could. Yeah, sure. Well, um, yeah, so Aiden um, works. We've got a, our team is um, called Step Me. Um, that stands for Services and Treatment for Enduring and Persistent Mental Illness. Um, we're a small team of four at the moment. Um, we'll be soon to be five. Um, so, yeah, myself, mental health nurse background, Aiden's a peer worker, um, and we've got... Um, a social worker on the team and a psychologist. So we, um, the program that's funded by the PHN is called Step Me, but we uh, work for the organisation called Nemi National um, and that's, that organisation's been around, I think around 30 years, um, started up in Melbourne, um, yeah, around 30, maybe a bit over 30 years 33. ago. 33. 33, was it? My, Thanks, yeah, my, my work says 33 <laughs> years. Yep. Um, what else, and, and what else launched, can you tell me about it? It was launched at the Heidelberg Town Hall in 1987, and the founding members were John Cohen and Margaret Tompkins. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, Originally, yeah. well, that's your point of it there, too, is that um, the origins in the name are North Eastern Alliance for the Mentally Ill. Yes. And see, so back then, yeah. mentally ill was what it was determined, and so then the... The complete name got yeah. stopped because of the mentally ill aspect. Ill aspect. Yes. Now, the reason why it was dropped 
is indicative of the times where mental illness mm. or what we're now calling as mental health yep. is still stigma about it, even though there's, well, it's quite a, a broad, well, yeah. it's a broad audience out there with mental health, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of grounds made, you know, maybe in the, even up to the last five years where that stigma's probably not quite there as much these days, which is a great thing. And I know, yeah, I think you, you touched on before air about the stats around people that identify as um, having um, experienced a mental illness of some kind during their lifetime, whether it's one in five, one in four. But, you know, you could probably venture to say further than that, that maybe close to five out of five of us have had some kind of mental health issue during our life. Um, you know, it's 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 part of the human condition, really. So, I think that has been come out more and more to the fore. Obviously, with a lot of uh, awareness raising campaigns, and um, yeah, I think the more that it's come into the mainstream media um, has certainly made. I think particularly for men, it's been a positive thing as well because we've seen um, men a little bit. Oh, this is just me speaking anecdotally from my experience. I seem a little bit more, generally speaking, open to. Um, you know, talking about how they're feeling, which is which is a good thing. Yeah, it is. Mm. And with part of it, can we talk a little bit about what is mental health or what are the main issues yes, of, yes. of our mental health, please? Um, well, I guess I'll, t I'll maybe speak about in terms of the work that we're doing um, mm. and I guess generally in terms of the program that we that we're funded to is actually to fill a gap that exists in services in this region. Um so there's services that are available for people with mild to moderate mental illness, what you'd call the high prevalence disorder. So that might be someone diagnosed with a mild depression, they might, um, or anxiety, they might have, um, you know, be feeling pretty down, but with some short-term work can get back on their feet relative with, you know, um, you know, pretty efficiently. Um, and then you've got the other end, um, you know, if you can step that right up, then you've got the, I guess, the severe and enduring mental illness. And, and historically, those um, people with those challenges have gone through to the mental health services, the public mental health service. So here it would be Colac Mental Health. Um, but there's a gap in between there. So there's people that would benefit from something more than can be offered from the sessional counselling only, which would be by appointment with a the therapist, for example. Um, but don't quite fit that criteria as in not deemed to be, I guess, unwell enough, for want of a better word, to be uh, meeting the criteria to see the mental health service. So yeah. that's where we fit into that um, space. And so we provide um, a mixture of um, psychological therapy, so doing actual work with people around, um, you know, sort of the mental health, you know, whether it's skills training, um, maybe some trauma-focused work. Um, the majority of our clients have, have um, you know, experienced significant trauma, so that's a big part of it. Um, and they've generally been stuck for a while, so that's where we come into it. Um, but also the other side to it, which is a bit different to therapy only, is we also do linkages. So we'll help connect people into the community uh, to things that might we that the client as well might feel is going to um, help their recovery. So we're there to support them on that journey. And and the, the the beauty of our program as well is we're not tied to session numbers. So okay. we've got some more flexibility around that. Um, we your your referral there to or reference there to being tied to numbers. Mm. Um, that's still a good way to start though, isn't it? Because what I, it made me immediately think of is that if you start with your GP. That yeah. the GP can give you is it six 
um, a referral for six services or something like yeah. that, Aidan. Yeah. You're very quiet over I there, Aidan, but you just spoke. That's what where it brought me to. So people can take that first step with their GP and get that sort of assistance and then go away from there. That's or correct. Yeah. yeah, so they can take those steps. Were you going to say something, Nick? Um, no, I just said, because, yeah, I know this is my, my, my thing around the GP referrals, is that I'm pretty passionate about it. Oh, you are. Um, no, no, Aidan's no, got you plenty go. of stuff in store for you in the second <laughs> half, trust me. Um, so, so, yeah, so the, the GPs have access to what's called the mental health care plan, where you can either get, um, you know, um, six sessions, which can be then reviewed and extended for a further six sessions um, through a Medicare accredited therapist. Um, but then there's also a PHN-funded program um, called Psychological Therapy Services. Now, PHN is? Uh, the Pro- West Vic Primary Health Network. Okay. So they, they're a commissioning body. Um, they, they, they're there to commission out programs to help fill in the gaps. One of those gaps is for people that can't afford to pay a gap for the mental health care plan. So they've brought in what's called the Psychological Therapy Services where people can get access to 10 completely free sessions so they'll okay. never have to pay a gap um so but there is some yeah but there is limits on those numbers um and i guess yeah that's again where we might come into it sometimes we work in unison or we in combination with someone that's seeing a therapist as well where we our focus might be more on the linkage work and we don't it's not you know that's there's no need for us to step into that um you know, one-to-one therapy side because that's already being looked after. So we often work, work collaborative with other with other services that are already in place. So how do they find you? So we yeah, so we take referrals from GPs and private psychiatrists. So psychiatrists, not psychologists. Not psychologists, no. So um, yeah, so ge- general practitioners, private psychiatrists. Um, so yeah, the we 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 ask for a copy of a mental health care plan, but we don't touch any sessions of a mental health care plan, if that makes sense. So the reason why we ask for that is, um, we like to really keep the GP front and centre, and the GP um, when they do a mental health care plan, they essentially need to make a double appointment to you know tease out what's going on for yep. the person, and um, they will always book a review. So we find that that's a really good way. Um, to help us support that client or that consumer to um, to have that GP as a principal focus and we come in to support the GP's work. I've had my own uh, problems in the past and I've had the, the same sort of treatment. But I've always made a, a point of being with a psychologist in concert with my GP. Hmm. So as a GP is the one who's doing the prescriptions yep. and whatever else and knows all about it. Definitely. Um, yeah, so the GP, the GP would have made your first referral. Mm. So the GP remains at the centre of your care um, and makes the referral to the psychologist. The psychologist sends the feedback to the GP about how the progress is. So the GP is the one that's kept in the loop around, you know, different things that's happening around yeah. your health. Which is yeah. so important. Yeah, definitely. So important. And I guess another, and sorry, I, no, I, was go, I was going to say, it's also a good way of allowing consumers to communicate what their needs are. Mm. So it may be that they get referred to us and they feel that sometimes they're not being heard or that they feel that they may be feeling a bit vulnerable in actually speaking up in relation to their GP and what their, their needs are. And it's a good way of us being able to support that person to start building on those communication skills and actually start discussing more in depth, I guess, around their medication, what the side effects are, um, 
what they feel they need at that point in time. So it's also, I feel that, you know, I've seen some really great benefits where people have actually started to um, feel as though they can have those conversations with their GP and it actually helps the GP to start really having more communication as well. And it's also helping the GP because, I mean, not that I'd I'd bucket them, but um, GPs in some areas are still behind the blackboard. They need to need to be kept a pace with it. I'm sorry from my experience, and you know, my GP's learned a hell of a lot from me, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So, so in term, you mean in terms of... In term, well, like when we've talked about international overdose awareness just recently, mm. that's a, that, that area itself is uh, one where I think GPs are... It's not their fault. You can't do a, a full-blown course on everything because they are general. But in terms of addictions and that sort of thing, and it's overdose, people think it's just um, people shooting up on the street. Well, it's not. It's prescription drugs. It's alcohol. It's a whole deal. Yeah, definitely. It, when um, when it comes to understanding the the whole range of it within the scope of what it is for a GP, it's you know they need to have groups to go to. I think that's so true, and 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 to, and I think yeah, the the GPs obviously they've got a hell of a lot of yeah. things that they need to be aware mm. of in different services, and I think mental health. No, it is a part of there. It is. Yeah, even though a, a, a GP is qualified to do mental health assessments, to risk assessments, addiction screens, things like that. It's a lot of it's around. I think the time and the resource. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, just even on that with the medication, um, often it's not even an over, like an intentional overdose. But sometimes people might be misusing their own medication, or they might be on a whole plethora of different medications, which can actually be having um, an impact on their mental health adversely. So you know, we do. You know, it's, I think medication is a big part of us. Um, our work is around just supporting people to be curious about their medication as well and um, and ask questions around that and um, because, yeah, I think sometimes you, you do find some people that are on quite a few things um, and, and it's really good for them to get that reviewed periodically and that's, again, something else that we, we help support. You do do that, which that's a bonus because I think when we talked recently it was mentioned that chemists were able to do that as well if you, they get your whole lot in there that they can... Yeah, so I don't, we we don't our our team doesn't review review their medication, but we certainly help um, advocate for people to go and get their medication. Oh, okay, you're yeah, right. Um, but yeah, just I guess on I the on, on the pharmacist um, yeah. on the pharmacist point that you make, um, I did have a client recently that um, there was some um, differences of opinion around the different medications, and she actually had a pharmacy. Pharmacist consultant, I think was the name, actually came in home, visited and did exactly what you've said and looked at all the medications and then made an opinion. And that's something that I hadn't known about. So I thought that was yeah. really interesting. So it is. It's worth, a, you know, yeah. if you're not too sure or there's something a little bit untoward or you get a new med that you've been... Definitely. Yeah. yeah talk yeah. it over with your pharmacist. And that's a thing nowadays is people are prepared to talk a bit more, do you think? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Which is going back huh. to the stigma a bit, I guess, but... Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's actually really important that we do question what medication we're taking. And I don't think that matters if it's in relation to mental health or physical health. I think if you're not sure about a medication and you're not sure what the impact is having on your physical health and your mental health, then you need to have a discussion about that. It's really important. Now, one thing, like, uh, here we go, it's back to me again. It's not my program. Oh, it is my program. <laughs> it is your program. But <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about, the, what you know, what is mental health? I get a bit anxious every day, you know, before the program. Mm. 
Now, that's quite normal. It's when anxiety goes for an extended period. Is that because we didn't actually clarify? Yeah. What was the terminology you used earlier on um, about it yeah. being... There's mild to moderate or there's more in severe and enduring, different, different that types That was what problems. you use the enduring. So, so, so it's so, not... Yeah. yeah, so I guess one way that I like to talk about it is how stuck has it made somebody. So if someone feels anxious but they, um, it's not to the point where it stopped them leaving the house and they go and do what they need to do and then the anxiety lifts and the brain goes, oh, I did survive that, I didn't need to go into full survival mode there, then that's, that's you would say that that's... An, I guess, quote-unquote normal or what would be in the realms of uh, being um, something that you can work through, you know, with just support around you. Um, but where, for example, we come into to, to the equation, I guess, is for where someone's become stuck to the point that whatever their mental health issue is, whether it's hearing voices, feeling so sad they don't want to leave the house or they're struggling to get out of bed... Um, or feeling so anxious that they can't talk to people on the phone or talk to people, you know, they can't go out and socialise, um, then that means that it's gone too far. That is the enduring side of it. So, so the brain's very good at um, having about getting us to seek comfort from stress. But unfortunately, the more we seek that comfort, which might be isolating yourself, drinking, um, whatever, it, whatever it is that provides us instant comfort can long-term keep us stuck if it's done too much. So that's sometimes a good indicator. Another thing that's come up, I guess, the last few years, or maybe more than that, um, electronic devices is another comfort. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things, food, another example, um, there's a lot of things that can give us comfort in the instant short term, but long term can keep us stuck and we can um, end up becoming socially disconnected um, we don't get the joy out of our once interests that we might have had. So, um, and yeah, so that's part of the challenge about it's almost like reconditioning the brain through a combination of, you know, talking and, um, um, and listening from our part and, um, you know, putting in some um, realistic goals and actions in line with what the person's wanting to do mm. um, to start to re- recondition things so that the brain isn't so quick to to set off onto the survival mode avoidance, um, which is, yeah, I think a big, big part of the work that we do. And do you work with people with PTSD? Oh, you, I would say that would... A lot of people. <laughs> I mean, probably the majority of the people that we see would identify um, as having had the diagnosis given to them about P, of PTSD at some stage. So PTSD, schizophrenia, bipolar, chronic pain... Um, yeah, probably the main ones, um, yeah. drug and alcohol and I, challenges. I think mainly a lot of the people that we work with have um, survived probably significant trauma, oh. and that's a lot of our work too, is yeah. working and supporting people to work through the trauma that they've experienced. Um, myself as a peer worker, I don't necessarily focus on a diagnosis, and that's my own personal way of, way of working mm-hmm. um, it's not to say that I don't take that into consideration um, but I also feel it's about someone's story and usually it's about us actually asking a person what their story is and then asking them what their needs are and coaching reflect reflecting with them um, the peer workers at EMI use the model um, 
Oh, now I've lost it. CRM, mm. which is uh, the collaborative recovery model. Um, and I, I guess it's really is about hearing, listening and reflecting with someone because they have the answers within them. They just need to be given a space to, I guess, pull it apart <laughs> yeah. and then put it back together in a way that suits that individual, not necessarily what the expectations of society are. I think sometimes we have people looking in on us and that can make us feel overwhelmed. And even, you know, within ourselves, at times we feel anxious about, you know, deadlines or things that we have to meet. But it's about what we do with that anxiety and those feelings to be able to step through it and slowly get that done. And I guess it's about asking what our, having our needs met and learning to ask people to be patient and that we will get to where we need to be, but we need to do it in our time. And I think that's the benefit of our program is it really is about giving people time to work through and explore what it is they need to be able to take tiny steps. Yeah. Because okay. yeah. I think sometimes what happens is we, we, we might go see someone and they'll say, what are your goals? <laughs> and a person will say, oh, I want to do this and I want to get a job and I want to do that. Mm. But I think when we're talking about mental health, we have to look at all the social factors, all the health factors of life. Mm. So it's around environment. It's about um, exercise. It's about um, behaviours. It might be about people that influence or that we're associating with at the time. So if we start to work through them, people start. I think sometimes people, as Oprah says, they have their aha moments yeah. and they start to realise that, oh, that is actually impacting on my well-being or my emotional well-being. What is it that I can change about that? We'll take it a little bit further after we've had a, a track. We're going to put a track on here and... For people who are listening, they've heard this track of, on a number of occasions of Louis Armstrong because it's one of our faves, but the boys here have chosen, the boys, the men, <laughs> Mick and Aidan from Nehemiah have chosen this track that you're going to hear of Louis Armstrong um, purely and simply because they forgot to bring in or didn't bring any music in, so it's been left up to us, but yeah, they've chosen it anyway. Yep, and we got, <laughs> to, we got to hear Bar Bar back, Black Shirt, so it worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> so I really do think that's a classic. But you, you uh, look, it's about 24 minutes past the hour here where you're on Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry. And we've got Aidan Hemmeling and Mick Jones in here from Nehemiah. We're really having a good yarn about mental health and other stuff, but I want to know whether or how your, your program works, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or group and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot more to talk about. Sure. But you sit back and have a listen to this, the wonderful Louis Armstrong. Some of we have a bit of a chat in here in the studios of OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast where we are streaming live at all the W's OCRFM.org.au on Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry. And uh, we've got Mick and Aidan in here and that was Mick who was having a bit of a giggle. What were you giggling about, um, Mick? Well, we were just chatting <laughs> off air for the last two and a half minutes and I thought we were on air um, <laughs> right until about 10 seconds ago and we just said we'll be back on a sec. So I thought, oh, shit. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we need to get a big red light here for you. We were, we're talking with Nehemiah. Is that how I pre am I pronouncing it correctly? That's Nehemiah? right. Yeah, yeah Nehemiah. And it's about it's mental health we're talking about. No, in the AMI. Yeah, Nehemiah National, yeah. Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, actually, I'll give it out. You can find out a lot more about it if you look up their website, which is nehemihnational.org.au. So it's nehemihnational.org.au. There's a heap of information, as you've heard, because I've been reading it out, even the history of it. 
Mm. And uh, yeah, well, lots of stuff there, but where are we at? Uh, well, even just, just while you touch on Nemo National, um, so in terms of, so the STEPME program, we do cover the Colac region. Yeah. So we have been out to the mental health service a few months ago um, and dropped in some info to a few GPs. We've had one or two clients, so, uh, um, but, but yeah, so we, but we are accepting referrals from this area. Now, Nimai National also has another program in Geelong, which isn't come out, hasn't come out to Colac as yet, and that's called Towards Home Plus, and that's a homeless service mm. um, that Nimai runs, where they go out and find rough sleepers. Um, and provide support and link them in um, with support to find housing and they also have some short-term um, housing accommodation in um, the Norlane region. They've got six little units where they've got people housed. Okay. Um, so just to let... Yeah, they're the two programs that Nemo is running in this region. Okay, because with, um, with CAS from Salvo Connect... Yep. They are active in the area as well. Yep. Mm. I've actually got to talk to, we're going to be having them come off and come up and talk. Mm. And we've talked homelessness as also with Rebecca, Rebecca Callahan from mm. um, Bowen Southwest Homelessness Network. Okay. So yep. I'm, I'm assuming that you all these, so with your work, you tie in with a lot of the different services around, do you not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so we have some we have some shared contact with. Well, we're in the same building as Towards Home, um, and we have this uh, a little bit of crossover with some of our consumers. Um, but certainly Towards Home with Salvos Connect, and yeah, they've got pretty strong relationships, mm. and with Bowen Health as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, with the work you do, you do actually well, not that you outsource, but you refer to a lot of places, and you work mm. with your, to get people to work with their GPs. Yeah. But with peer support, mm. how does how does that work? Is that, a, a, as I said, asked before the break, which, oh, Louis Armstrong won a wonderful world. I've got to back announce that. What a wonderful track that you guys picked. <laughs> but, yeah, the, uh, is it one-on-one or is it group support? How does it work? Uh, so within our program, it's um, one-on-one. <clears throat> so I guess in some ways my role is very similar to the others within my team, um, except I come from a background of a lived experience of trauma. Um, and I guess and that's beneficial in some ways because it allows me, I guess, when someone's discussing their story or there may be people who I work with who have a similar story to me, is that it allows me, allows me to build a good rapport with them in um, em- emphasising with them. Um, it may be that um, I'm able to share different parts of self or how I maybe work through different parts of my journey it's not necessarily me disclosing everything about my journey it's it's i guess it's about looking into those moments where i can say well i can really relate to that because i've had Mm. a similar experience and these are some of the things that will work for me and i guess a lot of the time what i find is it helps people to sort of when we're using the crm model it really is about reflect reflection so i can prompt people to i guess look a little bit deeper or i can actually challenge them sometimes i think sometimes when you've got a a similar story with someone and you can really em- emphasize with them is that it almost allows me to um, if I feel that someone might be able to take a step forward or they're not I guess sometimes people might go a little bit they might stop but then if I can give them a little push just to a certain point where it gets them to take that first step it can be really good in, re- in relation to knowing that they've got someone that can really relate to that part of self. We also run a um, program called Optimal Health, um, which is a, off the top of my head, 
it's an eight-week program. And I guess that's really about looking at all those factors I talked about before in relation to health. So it might be around your emotional well-being. It may be around your physical health. It may be uh, there's a, another part of the program where that looks in who are you actually linked in with. So GP, psychologist, um, there's other things where we look at uh, developing a safety plan. So at those times where you're feeling vulnerable or as though you do need more support, who are the main people within your life that you can make contact with before before needing to get to a stage where you're, I guess, unwell to the point that you may need, need to be hospitalised. And I guess that's really a part of our role too is to really work with people so that they can build on their strategies so they don't necessarily feel as though they have to rely on being hospitalised or um, using, I guess, a crisis-type situation, and they actually learn to start working through those crisis points So is it probably what I call a relapse awareness or something, or that you'd have to work along that regard as well? Yeah. I I guess it's around triggers. Triggers, yeah. yeah. So there might be points where, even for myself, um, I struggled with a lot of anxiety um, when I was younger. I identify as being a young gay man, and I came from a small rural town. Mm. Um, And my experience was... I guess, pretty traumatic in some ways. But I guess what I was able to do through mentoring um, and coaching and um, being supported by a mentor and being coached is that I was able to learn when I'm feeling triggered. So, it, you know, it might have been acknowledging to people, just saying to people, look, I just need to leave the room for five minutes and just going out and getting some fresh air. Mm-hmm. So it's about how it's not, it's not necessarily saying that my anxiety is completely gone but now after 15 years or so of really working on it and having great supports and learning a lot through the work that I do is that I'm actually able to recognize when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed Mm. Mm. and so it prevents me from I guess becoming having a little a bit of a meltdown I guess in some ways Mm. Um, it, it might be that I can even you know during times of distress I can say to my boss hey Mick I need to actually take some time off I've got some things going on and I just need some time out Mm. and so I guess it's really about helping people better understand Mm. mental health at the same time as working on myself. Okay, so is, there, is that a specialist area within NMI that, that you, you're working with the, with the uh, LGBTQ plus um, so support? Is that's, I guess that's one of my um, absolute passions is um, coming from the background of being living in a small rural area um, mm. and uh, working with young people, etc. I guess within the program now, um, we've had quite a few referrals in relation to the LGBTIQ plus community. Um, and I feel it's really important that they feel accepted and welcomed within NEMI. NEMI has a diversity um, committee and they do a lot of work within um, the cities, etc. Um, and they're developing that area. Um, I guess for me, I really enjoy doing the one-on-one therapeutic type work. And I think, you know, um, there is a really high rate um, that the LGBTI community struggle with mental health concerns and suicide, etc. Um, I think it's three to four times more likely for someone who identifies um, 
as LGBTIQ plus um, that they may take their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's for example, higher risk. risk. And I think also even with the elderly um, LGBTI plus community, I've had a few elderly consumers, and I think there's a real need. Um, for people to feel welcomed into a service. Mm. Um, and I guess through the work that I've done is that it's really opened my eyes more so in the last year or so um, that there are people within our community who are really isolated and feeling quite lonely. And mm. I think that's a community community thing that we all need to look at is, mm. well, how can we welcome these people into the community because I guess they've come and grown up in a different time period and some of the trauma that they carry is the things that we can support them to work through. Yeah, so it's past trauma. Yeah. Mm. I thought you, you, with the stuff that Aidan's talking about there, Ed, and the uh, softly, softly approach within the the support network we have with survivors of sexual abuse, that's Mm. the same approach, isn't it? You, you might take gentle steps to gentle help steps, them along? Yes, gentle steps. Just listen to stories. Listen yeah. to people's stories and embrace people in your lives. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I've got it with the elderly, um, the elderly gay community. We had a wonderful conversation or trans person, Paulie, a wonderful lover. Mm. And Bob per- uh, Perry were in here and they're older than us. Or, oh, sorry, older than you, I think. And I, maybe Paulie's not. Paulie's. Instead yeah. of saying LGBT, they just said alphabet. So there's a great podcast. Yeah. People that can have a listen to the podcast, you just go to ocrfm.org.au, go to Community Connect. It was a great program that had a great chat mm. about older people with a difference. Mm. But it's not a difference, it's the yeah. same, same. It has been forever and ever. Mm. Look, it took me a long time to say that I'd been sexually abused. Mm. But, you know, once I said it, it was like getting the monkey off your back. You didn't Mm. feel so bad. Yeah, Yeah, I I think just one thing I'd like to say on trauma, um, Mm. like I think there's this perception sometimes that um, even what trauma counselling is, is that you need to go over your story and unpack everything and do that over again. Um, and that's not the case. There's 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 lots of ways of working with people mm. that have been through trauma, and and it's essentially it is trauma therapy just to sit with someone, mm. and um, that it's a safe space. That's right. That's therapy. Yep. Um, that the person feels that they're safe. Um, and there's a lot of times people that have been through a lot of trauma. When you're sitting with them one to one, and they're um, they're sharing, um, you know, some of their stories or telling you even how their day's been. And when you're not judgmental and you're supportive, that can be a very unfamiliar thing to somebody mm. that's been through a lot and depending on their circumstances. Mm. So I think it's important not to even, you know, to, to recognise the value of um, the simplicity and the power of that, of, of sitting with somebody without judgment and with support, mm. um, yeah. We had a, a recently, uh, we need to have a break too, you guys. We, um, we recently went to Ballarat to the CFA up there. They had a um, an opening of a, a loud fence, which is where ribbons are put up by survivors of child sexual abuse. There's a mini one in Geelong at St Mary's, a mini one at Christchurch on the top of the hill there, Anglican. There's a huge one in Ballarat. Yep. And the CFA, they had a, a perpetrator over someone, rather don't even want to use his, his name, but no. he was an absolute bastard. And he was molesting children for his 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s and 90s at the CFA. And uh, 
the group that was there, they listened to the story that one of the survivors, M, spoke about the empathy within the the group. There were probably 200 people. They closed the road and just as the discussions and the, the way people were in terms of what the togetherness said, mm. the, willing to, the willingness to listen, the, the willingness to be there mm. in support of each other. There were people, a lot of people who needed support. Yeah. A woman handed me a tissue because I'm a bit of a sook. Real men cry. Real men cry. It was just an incredible thing that I think, and when we go to events like that, I think we can see there is a shift mm. Yes. with our people. Definitely. And I think the more we keep talking and the more we push, the better it'll get. Mm. And the more with events that come up, you know, um, gay pride events, as in Colac have got their gay pride event. I was going to I say too is that um, there's some great services like Wellways in Geelong. Mm. They do a lot with the LGBTI plus community. Mm. And I guess in some ways that, that is a step for us. So someone may be referred to us by a GP and it may be that they haven't ever even thought about engaging with the community. Mm. And that's when we'll do the one-on-one mm. work to support someone to explore that. And then gradually what you see is a transformation is then, then they do get ready. So, for example, some of the people that I work with is that someone right now is just getting to that process now where they're saying well actually I might I wouldn't mind checking out the community and so then that's what I'll do is I'll get in contact with Wellways and make a referral through to them wow. I guess it's about how we work holistically mm. and in collaboration yes. to really ensure that all community members feel connected yes. and I guess giving them that time and space to actually work towards mm. wanting that connection. Mm. It brings up another point that we've been advocating for a long time and we try to win GP association before it became PHN, yep. is that the GP Association, PHN, have a list of gay-friendly GPs hmm. because we know that there are unfriendly GPs out there. So maybe we should have an unfriendly GP because <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think that the, the standard is yeah. the friendly one. That's right. There's a couple of outliers. But there yeah. are. So I think, um, yeah. But anyway, that is another another mm. part of, of, of health. List. Of health is, yeah, about health anyway. But look, we we, uh, we need to have a little break. Mm. We're going to put on Stand By Me. Now, you guys chose one. I don't know which one I've got. But I've got a hold of one here that we're going to have a listen to here on Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on 98.7 here in Colican District, and uh, 98.3 I should be, in Colican District and 88.7 FM along the coast, where we are streaming live at all the wsocrfm.org.au and we're going to have a listen to this track and be back with you for wind up because it's getting close to what now, it's 17 minutes to the hour. Oh! Yeah, that's uh, Ben E. King and uh, Stand By Me and uh, that's what you want to do, but yeah, we'll stand by you if you talk to us, I guess is what the message is. We need to talk, and uh, maybe I don't do it enough myself. Huh? But anyway, that's another story. You're on Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on 98.3. I don't know where I got that wrong one from before. 98.3 FM here in Colac and 88.7 FM along the coast. And something has just come across my desk. Just a phone number that you're Isn't asking that for. Isn't that wonderful? Nick yeah. Jones sent me a number. Isn't that <laughs> <laughs> This just came across There's my desk. <laughs> That's what they used to say on radio. And it wasn't by phone. No, Aidan Hemmeling. It's an, and on a piece of paper too. The towards home number is 1300 275 811 came across my desk. 1300 275 811. 
there's a towards home number. That's really only in Geelong, but it still pertains here, and we'll talk yeah. a bit about that later when we get yeah. with Salvo Connect. Now, the number, though, for the Step Me program is 1300 Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was Benny King, great number. Thank you. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Standing by people. That's exactly great right. phone number too. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Across my desk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, the simple things in life. But, um, how do we get, when Edwina asks you the question on how to get to you, is it via referral only or and is yeah. it the same with the Towards Home, is it? No, Towards Home um, you can self-refer anyone or any agency or GP or um, family, the person that's homeless or at risk of homelessness. I think their criteria is, yeah, that, that, that you need to be um, rough sleeping, essentially, so um, not identify as having a residence or accommodation. Um, and for our program, um, yeah, it's the GP referral or a private psychiatrist. Yeah. Okay. Now, what about, oh, we've talked about group. You do um, relapse prevention, I've mentioned. Psych- psychosocial, and inter- psychosocial interventions aligned with recovery goals. That sounds awfully complex, Aidan, and you've just been nudged. <laughs> but that was one of the things... I, th- I think we've covered you it, did, yeah. really. You covered it, it really. Yeah. 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 Just to, to simplify it, though, it's all, it's all relating to getting better, and is it hand-holding or is it getting people to walk on their own? It's, good, definitely, it's definitely not a hand-holding, and I think that's a really important point is that I think recovery is about a person being ready. Yeah. And it may not, you, a person may not be ready, but it doesn't mean that we won't support them. It just means that they may need a bit more time and more reflection and coaching to work through whatever it is that they're wanting to work through or the barriers that they're um, experiencing to be able to take those steps. Are we allowed to relapse? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have uh, again. This this sort of ties into the flexibility of the program. We've got people that perhaps could be looking after themselves better than they are that are in our program. Um, whether they're you know using alcohol or drugs or you know got other challenges that you know um, ideally for themselves in their own self care would be doing things a bit differently. But that's how they survive at the moment, and that's. You know, and and they don't get their program or file doesn't get closed because they're not doing A, B, and C and D. It's about um, you know a lot of harm minimisation and around working people with some flexibility. They they might even have a few good weeks and feel like they're you know really on the up and up. And it is a good few weeks, whether or not they have a they go backwards or not. They've still had a good few. You don't lose those weeks, um, but often yeah, more often than not, you're going to have the two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, and that's fine as well. It's all around um, you know supporting someone with their as Aiden I think is you know really reiterated and taught us um, within the team about s- supporting people around what what they're wanting to do for their recovery and their own mental health goals. So um, being careful that it's we're not putting our agenda of mm. what we want them to do to get mm. better or what we think is going to be a, an indicator that they're good. Um, it's around, um, yeah, working with people and on their own story. Now, the, the people always have someone behind them. They've got, um, they're not just going to be in a STEPME program or with you guys. They've got carers or they've... They got family. What? How do you do? You support that area, or we um, we do. Mm. Um, I guess in 
I guess, depending on the, the circumstances, is that we do communicate with families, etc. Um, yeah. For example, I work with a young guy who's struggled with substance use, etc. And his mum has a real um, connection with the work we do. But in saying that, it's always, I think it's important that people understand is that... Um, from my personal experience is when I go into work with someone, I'm working with that person and it's about what their needs are. Because mm. I think sometimes um, family members or outsiders or whoever it may be may have a view of what that person needs to be doing. Mm. So yeah. I always, and we always do this with everyone, is that we always seek permission yeah. from that person and we invite that person to invite whoever it is or family um, mm. to be a part of a session or to to allow us to keep the person updated depending on mm. um, what's going on. And sometimes too, though, is that we may allow a family member just to debrief some of their own concerns. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's a it's a big part, um, you know, you know, will often be... Because often you've got a, a person that you're working with and they're living in the home with their partner with maybe another um, person in the house, and that that household is a team. They're a mm, they're a functioning unit. Um, so, so, um, and of course, as Aidan said, it all needs to be. Uh, it's when it's appropriate, of course, and and sometimes it's not always appropriate to involve other significant others in terms of certain things. But but generally speaking, it's a really positive thing where you get everybody on the same page, and you you you're getting um, you're supporting the the the, te- the team within the household, as an example, mm-hmm. to um, grow together. Um, so um, I think it's a it's a big part of it. Yeah. Can the family or uh, family person refer, or well, I suppose it's a matter of talking to the so, so we get a lot of inquiries. Um, so anyone can make an inquiry. Of course, we still will require the the referral from the GP. But we get inquiries from different other organisations. We get inquiries from family. We get inquiries from pe- the the individual themselves wanting to know if they could get a referral. How you know? So, so we always encourage that because it gives you a chance to sort of work through. Because sometimes we might have a conversation with someone that's making an inquiry, and by the end of that chat. It's thought that actually maybe you because you might have the motivation to go and see a therapist, and you do have that capacity. So maybe that's that's the that's the first step. Um, you know, maybe yeah. So because I guess to go back to how what the prevalence is of, of the people we're, we're seeing the people that is the it's it's the, the the lower prevalence mental health issues, not the higher prevalence. So sometimes we and it's completely fine to get the inquiries. We might get someone that maybe not as stuck. As requiring our service, and that's okay. And we will, we'll, we'll, we're a big fan of the no, no wrong door. So we'll always, um, you know, lend an ear and, and provide, um, I think, pretty sound, sound, you know, advice around what might be an option if it's not going to be us. Yeah, you're really back from holidays now, aren't you, Aiden? Yeah, just a long weekend I had. Just a long weekend. It was great. I thought you must have flown away somewhere. I went to Beechworth. Yeah, oh, lovely. Mm. But that's a long week. Right, only five I thought you'd week. had a holiday, just a Beechworth. Five days was it. And, and you then back to for what? Back for a couple, two, and then he's got another long weekend. It's not too bad. Fantastic. I hope you're not paying too much. Well, there's another thing. You don't get paid much in the industry. That's true. That's true. Looking after yourself, I call it. Yeah, definitely. 
But you know, it, it's family. You wound up in. You know, is, is the jail still operational up there? It's I not. Might no. have been in there for the weekend on no. time. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, you look uh, after people. Next week, <laughs> <laughs> don't put them in jail. Yes. <laughs> oh, stop! Look, we came in laughing. We got it. We can't go out laughing, mm. can we? We can. Next week, we're going to be chatting with Naomi Latiri again. She's going to come in. We'll be talking about Anamkara and its activities and we've had a chat with Diane Wright previously she'll be in for about half an hour uh, with us because she's got other commitment but she'll be in here from about 11.30 onwards here. and I think Naomi's going to see if she can get one of the people who uses the services there because they do have a lot of stuff going on out mm. there and we went out and had a look at the house and yeah, it's really it incredible isn't it huge it's huge it's about mm. eight ten minutes away from here but it's a great little setup out there um, the, the podcast, we'll get this podcast up with that lovely photo, which one of them I took earlier on. Fantastic. Uh, we'll be up at a later date, or hopefully today with a bit of luck. We've got a so, radio stars and film stars. Yeah, and we'll be, we've got a <laughs> lifeboat meeting with Father Kevin Dillon this afternoon as well. We're going to go out with Joe Cocker. It's been played before, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, which is my, my phone ringing thing, whatever you call it. Thank you guys, Mick and Mick Jones and Aidan Hemmerling. Thanks for having surname. us. Yeah. yeah, German. German. <laughs> for being in here from NMI. Thanks and, for having uh, us, Edwina and Greg. Very it's enlightening. Pleasure. Very enlightening. I think it's been fabulous. Mm. We are going to be having a little holiday shortly. I better talk to Jonathan about that as to what we're going to be putting up as a as repeats or something like that. But uh, next week, yeah, we will definitely be in here in the studio. But as I say, we're going to go out. You're on Community Connect on 98.3 FM and 88.7 FM along the coast, where we will bid you farewell and talk to you again next week. Cheers.